And welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel. We're here with the Halloween edition of our show. Elias, I really like your costume. Yeah, I feel uh, I feel spooky, and, and I this might be even spookier. I feel like I am the future because I'm a Bitcoin. You're a Bitcoin, and what am I? Do you actually know what I am? Yeah, you're, the, you're an AMC I'm a employee. meme stock. So you're the meme stock? I'm the meme, sto- meme actually, stock. Actually, remember that? So that makes me laugh because remember that TikTok we reacted yeah. to where the the guy buys like two shares of AMC and then he goes to the movie and he's talking to the employee about improvements they should make. And he's <laughs> the guy's like, are you the owner? He's like, kind of. I'm the money. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the same thing that I thought about. But we thought it'd be fun to have a costume for Halloween. And these are two most talked about things, I would say, in 2021. It's kind of crazy to think that we're you know, three quarters of the way through the year or two months away from Christmas and kind of all the end of the year stuff that comes with with that. And we're going to talk about that in this show. And that's some of the things you can do to get ready for the new year. But I thought, thought it'd be fun to start with a couple of fa- Halloween financial facts. Halloween is my wife's favorite, favorite holiday of the year. This is what she wants to do. And unfortunately, for like the first 10 years of our marriage, I was, you know, not really that into it because I was into deer hunting. Um, but now that we have kids, we're doing a lot of fun things. So she's super excited. She has the house decorated with all the spooky stuff. Last night when I was giving my getting ready to give my daughter a bath, she looked out. I don't know if you looked out last night, mm-hmm. but there's a full moon oh, yeah. and there are clouds in front of the moon. And my daughter goes, is that what it's going to look like on Halloween, dad? Probably. And then, of course, she said, well, I'm scared. You know, she you know, try to use the, the scared excuse to go back and crawl into bed. What, in your bed? Yeah, she you know, she oh, thought yeah. it'd be fun to I'm use the scared. scared I want to sleep yeah. in here. That didn't work. But um, last year, consumers spent $8 billion on Halloween expenses. $8 billion. Awesome. I'm actually I was shocked by these numbers because costumes are $3.3 billion and then candy was – Three billion. So I'm like, how is it possible that we spend almost as much money on candy as the costumes? But I suppose it's probably because what the Halloween candy's been out. I mean, if you go to the grocery store, Halloween candy's been out for a while, and it's hard to not buy it. It's hard to walk by the big display and not grab a couple bags. Oh, say okay. So question. Yeah. What's worse, the the peanuts or candy corn? Okay, so. Worse, candy corn. I mean, the only time a candy corn is good is if one, two times you mix it with peanuts or I have a friend that uses candy corn as like the main ingredient to make homemade butterfingers. So So those are good. You're taking those big orange peanuts. I thought you were talking about regular peanuts. No, the candy peanuts. Oh, like the circus peanuts? Yeah. The big pink ones? You, you're, oh. you're taking those over the candy corn? No. Those are, those that's are the, the most <laughs> disgusting candy ever. <laughs> I was just making sure. That's like the gutter of Halloween candy, in my opinion. Okay. No, so at our house, we mix candy corn and regular peanuts. Oh, absolutely. Peanuts. Yeah. So I didn't know you were talking about the big pink No, ones. I yeah. saw someone put a little post on Facebook. I don't know. This is like a month ago. They were talking about what's the gutter of Halloween candy. Is it the... The foam peanut, yes, or or the candy corn. Yes. So I agree with you. It's the Pink foam peanut. It's horrible. Peanut, yeah. Um, but three billion dollars on candy—that's a lot of 
It's a lot of sugar getting injected into the kids. 147 million Americans plan to buy a pumpkin to make jack-o'-lanterns. And we're expected to spend $708 million on pumpkins for carving in 2021. And unfortunately, most of these are going to end up in the street. Well, yeah, they're all destined for the dump. <laughs> they're all I destined mean, for the dump. Some might get turned into pumpkin pie. So those are the lucky pumpkins. <laughs> that That's that's true. Um, one thing I wasn't aware of, and I, maybe you were, October's actually Financial Planning Awareness Month. Are you aware of that? No, I didn't know that until we were getting ready and for, for as much show. as we talk about the benefit of having financial plan, um, I'm surprised I didn't. But if you don't have a plan, being that it is National Financial Planning Awareness Month, um, now's a time to either review your financial plan or go get one. And we should talk about why to review it. We had this discussion just the other day with someone who was in the office, and I said, hey, have you ever done a financial plan? Oh, yeah, I did one like six years ago. I said, well, do you think it's accurate? Well, yeah, probably. Has anything in your life changed? Well, yeah. Then it's not accurate. And I get it. Like six years, eight years ago, it's how it was done. Technology has come a long way in the financial world or the fintech world to be able to help people make the financial plan a decision tree for their for their life. And, and what I mean by that is when you have an important decision to make, you can utilize the financial plan to add statistical probability to whether it's going to work or not. And only 30% of Americans actually have a long-term financial plan. I mean, that, we've known that. We've talked about that in the past. Yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, and it's sad because we think everybody should have one. It doesn't really matter what your age is. I mean, if you're 25, it's really simple. It's a matter of setting some goals and priorities then figuring out what you need to do to get there and check up every year, just like school, have a little report card and that's your actual financial plan. Um, and then 70% of Americans actually say that they believe their financial plan needs work. And that was the source on that is actually Northwest mutual. Um, I believe that it's human nature to say, yeah, I need to do this, but it's just never convenient to do it. And unless you're working with an advisor and they have bought into the idea that the financial plan is this, you know, dynamic part of your overall financial picture, then how in the world or why in the world did you think you need to redo it? Yeah. And that's, um, you know, that's really where our, the industry's evolved, right? And we talk about that where it's kind of gone from people used to think, well, advisors, that's where you get the information on investments and what investments are good to now it's more of like a holistic financial planning. And, you know, really with, with all the resources we have, you know, we talk a lot about how picking good investments is probably the easiest part of our job. Um, but to go along, to go along with what you're saying. So 70% of Americans say their financial planning needs work. So in that 70%, that's probably people who at one time did a plan, but haven't updated it. And that's something where I would say if you're not proactively updating your plan and using it to make decisions, that kind of defeats the entire purpose of the financial planning. Cause that should be like, that should really be uh, the decision tree, right? You should use that financial plan to decide how you're going to be invested, what investments you're going to buy. And, you know, maybe around Halloween, that'll help you decide, should I buy $300 worth of candy or is $100 worth of candy enough for me? 
We don't buy anything. I just <laughs> let my daughter go get it. Well, <laughs> right. That is. So that's the best part about Halloween is you get a re-up on the good candy in the house. My daughter had a bag this morning. Well, she had a bucket or a bag. And I'm like, honey, you want to take the bag? She goes, why? I go, because it expands. I said, you're going to fill that thing this year. The plastic bag? Well, it wasn't a plastic bag. It was a f- it's not a Target bag. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Come on. We're talking about your Come house. on. <laughs> it's a special Halloween candy bag we have. Um, but she's super excited. She's like, we're going to fill that thing to the top with candy. Because, you know, two years ago, we had the big ice storm, so we didn't really need to go that much. And last year, uh, we had younger daughter in the house, so it wasn't, like, intense trick-or-treating. But this year, I feel like she's ready to go get now after London's it. London's ready? Yeah, well, yeah. Blakely's ready to – she's – going on six she's she's excited to go every single house and get all the candy she can and my daughter's allergic to a lot of the candy so the good news is half of it's going to be mine and it's most of the good stuff are you going to bring any candy to the office to share yeah why not we'll fill fill molly's candy dish sure i'll sneak away all the good stuff but um going along with the whole halloween theme and it's being the spooky time of year, I thought it'd be fun to go through seven scary financial facts that are out there. Because for some people, it's not Halloween that haunts them every day. It's their finances. So let's go through some spooky facts that are out there. Okay. You want me to do the spooky fact number one? I think you can handle that one. 47% of American adults have some sort of debt debt-related stress um so that's we just talked we just did a show about we were we uh reacted to that student loan documentary that came Mm -hmm. out so i mean this you know this makes sense i'm sure a lot of people do have stress about debt whether it's student loans maybe home mortgage credit cards and that's what this article talked about was well the number one thing is the the shiny little card in our wallet the credit card and to me, that's, um, you know, I, people can use credit cards if you're responsible with them, but if a credit card is causing you to have debt and have stress, there's a simple solution. You grab a pair of scissors and you cut it up and you just don't use it. If you can't, if you can't manage it the right way, you just should not use them. Or you can do what Matt Westbury in our office recommended. What is that? Put it in a glass of water and freeze it. Why that would way, you if do you, that? Well, if you really need it, you could get it again. You can thaw But it's enough effort that you'd have to, like, go thaw it out. He's mentioned on a TV show, like, five years ago. And I'm like, at first I laughed, but I'm like, yo, wait. Like, it would take you, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to thaw it out. And you'd have to think twice about whether you're going to make that financial decision. Um, Another I, good strategy, freeze it. Freeze it. Um, kind of like freezing your credit. But, yeah, the I feel like in our society everybody's trying to keep up with the joneses meaning i saw my friend on facebook who just took a vacation and my other friend on facebook got a new car and this friend on facebook moved into a new house and this person on instagram did this and it makes people feel like they're missing out or they're doing something wrong and the easiest thing to do in our society if you want to go get one of those things is oh wait i've got the visa card i'm gonna take a vacation well i need i i need to book it with the credit card I don't want to use my debit card, which I'd agree with that, but I book with the credit card. And the responsible thing to do if you do that is just go in the next day when it shows up on the credit card bill online because everybody's checking it online and pay it. But that's not what people do. No, They have a wedding coming up. I better, I don't know. I'll just wait to pay that till next month. 
Yeah. And then the Here's wedding the minimum gift. payment that yeah. keeps me going. And then the wedding gift goes on the credit card. The next thing you know, you had zero balance. Now you have 11,000. You're going, how am I going to pay this off? And for most people, that's going to add some level of stress. In fact, um, as I read this, uh, the average household carries $52,000 of debt. And I'm trying to extrapolate some of the numbers that, that were in the show Borrow Future, but I think the average student loan, so this is a house that has student loans, 37000 of that would be student loans. I think that was the number that the average student loan was in America. But $52,000 in debt, not including like mortgage, for a lot of people, I don't, that's going to be really hard to pay that off without paying a ton of interest. And the question becomes, how did you get there in the first place? Because even if you could pay it off, if you rack it back up again, maybe you're living outside of outside of your means. So um, I feel bad for the 47% that are actually stressed out about that. In fact, so statistic two is actually maybe even scarier. 114.4 million Americans said they took out a personal loan last year. Which that, that was COVID year, so people were strapped financially if they're out of a job or something. But I don't know about 114.4 million. Well, I mean, yeah, that's I don't a that's a that big number. It's a personal loan. That means they didn't buy a car with it. They just took out a personal loan. The largest loans, um, well, actually, the average loan was eleven thousand six hundred fifty-seven thousand. The largest ones were taken out to start a business, which was about fifteen thousand per loan. Um. What I want to know is, does this include like PPP loans? I don't know if that would include like a small business loan that you took out during pay payroll protection because a lot of companies took those out um, during the unknown of COVID. So it'd be good to know that. But either way, 114 million people took out loans. That's a lot, a lot of people who borrowed money last year. Yeah. And unfortunately, we understand human behavior. And most of those people are going to take the longest period of time to pay that off, not the shortest. Yeah, and it does mention that some people surveyed said that they did it for debt consolidation. So, you know, if you were able to do some debt consolidation, get a lower rate on that debt, um, it should still be a priority to get it paid off. You know, making making minimum payments a lot of times just isn't the best strategy towards your debt. It's the worst strategy unless it's your house. Right, right. So... You did if you did consolidate debt to get a lower to bundle some debt and get a lower rate, that's a good thing, but really capitalize on it and get that debt paid off. Especially, you know, personal loans, that's you know, basically anything outside of your mortgage debt, that's really uh should be a priority to get paid off. Fifty six percent of Americans are struggling to buy groceries due to the COVID nineteen. And I actually can see how this happens. I think I mentioned this in the last show. Family of four, I used to if I go into the grocery store or when I used to go, it's always like $175, $200. It's like $300 every time I go now. It's getting more and more expensive. I mean, if you, especially if you want to buy anything healthy, you know, the bananas are the cheapest thing you can buy. But if you buy grapes or apples or any other fruit or vegetable other than lettuce and bananas, it's really expensive. Then you buy a carton of strawberries, it's five bucks. And, so I understand how people are actually having trouble at the grocery store. Um, some people we all know had a really hard time buying what last year? Hmm, toilet toilet paper. paper. Yeah, they brought up the toilet paper in this. They did. And 
you can find that now, but there's other things that are hard to find. I mentioned to you, I've been trying to find ponzu sauce. I can't find it. It's not yeah, in the store. I still don't know what ponzu sauce is. You had it yesterday is, when we went to lunch for sushi. Oh, That was okay. what was in the, 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 the tuna dish that we had. That was yeah. just that, like, okay. sweeter sauce. Yep. So... And I went into the grocery store. There was no spices on the shelves. I was in Target. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, where are all the spices? Now, I think it's because of the brand that they're carrying. Because I went to Hy-Vee and they have everything. They carry like tones. But that, I think it's Simply Organic or some other brand that Target's carrying. They didn't have any spices. I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was just empty. Um, so that's really scary that 56% of American adults are struggling to buy groceries. Yes, that is a lot of people struggling, and that is scary to think about. Is it as scary as number four? Americans become a victim of identity theft every day. So this is actually something that does. Uh, this does kind of scare me, and I'm this is something I think about with as much like online shopping and as much stuff as I do online. I really, you know, I feel like you're just you're all your information is just out there readily available to, um, to be stolen, especially if you're not careful. Um, really in that being said, I should probably be more careful about all that. Your information's already been stolen. It's not if they're going to steal it. It's when they're going to use it. It just hasn't been used. Not that well, I know of yet. Experian gave away all the information of people like four years ago. Right. Every, all your information, if people think that your information is not out there, you should rethink it. And my, the the mindset that I take. You're scaring me. You know, the mindset that I take is it's not when they're going to use it. It's how I'm going to react when they do. Right. I had my credit card stolen over the summer. I had a plan. I have LifeLock. I've got, you know, all those services to protect myself. But monitor your stuff. You know, the more you can do in a. And this is the, the benefit of a credit card. If someone steals it, they'll have your back. I mean, literally, they put it right back. They paid the credit card off immediately. My bank, I probably would have had to go through a few more loopholes to get the cash back in my bank account. Yeah, and that is, to me, that is one of the benefits of credit cards and using them for spending. But everybody out there should have a plan. Just like you have a financial plan, you've got a plan for vacation, you have all these different things you plan. What's your plan when somebody steals your when somebody uses your identity? Not steals it because it's out there. When they use it, they're going to use it. The question is, we just don't know when. It's kind of like the stock market, Elias. It's going down. We just don't know when. Yeah, we don't know when it's going to go down again. Right, but you have yeah. a plan for when it does. Well, you should. You certainly should. Um, statistic number five, delays in financial major financial decisions. 56% um, of Americans have delayed major financial decisions because of coronavirus. So I find this interesting because... We've seen housing prices go through the roof. So there's a certain amount of people who aren't delaying anything. But 56% of Americans have delayed a major purchase, which means, in my mind, they have some level of doubt as to whether they can either really afford this or whether this is really a smart idea. The other 42% don't. And maybe it speaks to the recovery or the impact of COVID-19 on the economy. And we've talked about there's really two economies to covid one set of people has prospered. There's another set of people who still hasn't recovered. Um, and that statistic probably speaks more more to that. Well, could it also speak to, so like 
there could be people that would like to buy a car, but they they know that there's a chip shortage right now and vehicles are hard to come by. So maybe they're not, maybe at the prices, they're just not willing to do it right now, hoping that once supply, once all the dealerships have their regular supply of cars, that they can get something that's, you know, more affordable or maybe something that they want that's not even there. Yeah, I, I think that probably makes sense. It could be just you can't get it. Maybe it's like my bike. You can't buy an electric bike. They tell you they're going to ship it overnight, and it's six months later, and you still don't have it. Well, you so, bought it, right? You, you can buy it. You just can't use it. Yeah, I can't get it. I paid for it. They're using my. Hopefully, they don't have a business. That'll be the next thing. They're going to go out of business, a <laughs> bunch of people's money, and you know, bikes. Your bike will forever be in a crate. Yeah. over in California. That's it in Long Beach. Um, statistic six dollars for doomsday. This is kind of interesting. So, uh, out of two thousand people surveyed in January twenty twenty, um, the survey found that over the last twelve months, thirteen Americans have put on average an additional two thousand dollars into their savings account in case of the end in case of the end of time. So they're really worried about like COVID just being the end of time and saving money. But if it's the end of times, do you need money? So that's the one I don't know that always see that always gets me like between the hoarding cash and buying gold like for doomsday preppers like what value is your cash if this really happened it it's like okay if there's an alien invasion and now we're not going to have earth anymore what good is your cash and your gold (laughs) well they're just going to take it it's not going to do you any good. There's no value to them <laughs> right. whatsoever. Um, or so, if, if the you know if COVID did wipe out the entire world, your two thousand dollars sitting in the bank, it's you won't have I anybody to give it to. Gonna sit there and collect dust. There's nobody to give it to. Right. So I think that's a little ridiculous, but I do think it's good that people are planning. You know, one thing that came to light during COVID is how important having an emergency account really was. A lot of people didn't have one. And then they said, "Hey, by the way, we're not gonna we're gonna ask you to stay home from work, and all these different things. And if you don't have money to live on, you're in a tough spot. So I think it brought to light how important having a three to six month emergency fund is for every single household in America. Um, and and maybe more. This is maybe not the end of times. Just saying, hey, I really want to be more prepared. And we always talk about how you know we've talked to people and they say, well, a thousand dollars is." where you should start with your emergency fund. $1,000 doesn't get you to first base. Today, it's like half of somebody's homeowner's deductible. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, a, a, an emergency fund is three months, six months of income, minimum. expenses. Right. But like you're saying, the lack of people, the lack of people having enough cash for that probably ties into some of these other things we talked about. The number of people taking loans, people struggling to buy groceries, um, I love number eight or number seven, 8.8 million Americans admit to cheating on their taxes. Why would you admit to that? That was my first question. Who is admitting I, who to admitted that, that they cheated survey? on their taxes? I mean, it says, uh, 3.4% of Americans admit to cheating on their taxes when W2 season rolls around. Um, if so you I want at, everyone to know, I don't cheat on my taxes. Why would you cheat? I don't want any red flags. For and why would you admit to it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but even better, uh, Men are more dishonest than women. 60% of men said they cheated. I wasn't surprised Um, by that. One of the survey, uh, the survey also found that 13.38% of Americans admit to cheating on their significant other. 
So if if you're likely to cheat on your taxes, you're likely to cheat on your significant other. Americans are four times likely to cheat on their significant other than the IRS. <laughs> Uh, knowing that it may be time to break out the strongest love potion that you own, but there you go. Love potion and Halloween. So here's what I want to know. What's cheating? What is considered cheating? It's just like, you're not paying or, you know, when you took your stuff to goodwill, you overinflated the value. Is that considered cheating? Yeah, I would admit. So it's probably more itemizing deductions and doing more than all those different items, just doing more than what you actually spent. It's got or be. what you gifted or whatever it is. It's probably fudging those numbers a little bit I, here. I just there. have a feeling that the people who are really cheating, like who just surely aren't paying, they're not admitting that they're cheating. This is only <laughs> the people that admitted to cheating on their taxes. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, I agree. If you're willing to admit that, you probably didn't do anything too egregious. So like people who are really scamming the IRS, they're what's not really spooky is are 8.8 million Americans willing to admit that they cheated on their taxes. Right. Um, this is why this is why they want to start spying on everyone's uh, all, bank all account. Their, now. That's probably why they know if 8.8 million admitted. There's probably another, you know, 30 or 40 million that did. Yeah. So if you ever see this survey, just say, no, I don't cheat on my taxes. Well, do. Even better, just don't cheat on your taxes. <laughs> Have a professional prepared do it. You know, taxes is just like having a financial plan or a financial advisor. Yeah. Why would you pay someone to make sure it's done right? Because then some of that onus falls on them to make sure you didn't do something wrong. Right? If you go to a professional, most of them are not going to let you cheat on your taxes because they're signing their name to that return as well. They're not knowingly yeah. going to let you cheat. There, there's a lot of value in delegation and, you know, many areas of life, taxes, finances, working on your car everywhere. So, Elias, as we start to get close to the end of the year, we're two and a half months away, roughly. I noticed in this outline, we usually bring this up later in the year, but we're going to try to help people get better prepared for things that they can think about before the year end. Yeah, I thought when I saw this in the in the outline for the show, I, I thought the same thing. That's uh. Because usually we'll do like an end of the year, but this is more proactive. Really, October, beginning of November, that's a good time to start organizing. Okay, how am I going to get in my finances in order before the end of the year? Uh, the first, So the first thing on here was just rethinking priorities. So the last what, year and a half, we've had COVID and people have been kind of shifting their views and starting to rethink what's important to them. Um, so here's some things you can do. And some of these are, you know, my opinion on financially and financial planning. I would say if you've never met with an advisor and you don't have a plan, that's a good starting point. Cause just getting started is the first step. And if you have thoughts of, you know, in 2022, I want to make some progress financially, um, get, just get started now. There's, if you could get started now and have a plan, then you could hit the ground running, um, starting beginning of January of 2022. So I'll tag on to that one, get the financial plan. But number two, if during COVID and during the pandemic, you were really scared about how much you saw your account go down, assumed you were watching. Some people were really scared and you did nothing. You exercised great investor behavior. You held on, did nothing, and you've been rewarded. And the markets come back. Now is a good time to rethink or go re-explore what your true risk your true risk profile is because yeah. once again, we'll talk about it. it's the get out of jail free card. 
You did great. You didn't make any bad moves. The market's back. If you're going to go to a less aggressive posture, ideally you do it at the top of a market and not the bottom. So yes, I, I agree 100% with that. Um, the second thing uh, we can start to think about is save, save a little bit more before the end of the year. If you haven't saved anything you want to save more, now is a good time to start executing that behavior. And, he, and here's why. What's going to happen on January 1st? Everybody's going to set a bunch of goals and priorities. Oh, next year, I'm going to max out my Roth IRA. And they're going right. to do that until January 9th. And then they're going to give up and be like, well, you know, that didn't work out. Because I think the <laughs> average resolution is like nine days. Whoops. Well, if we start preparing now and we try to exhibit that behavior, maybe by the time New Year's resolution comes around, it'll be you more might, of a habit. Yeah, you might be going in that direction. Yeah. And, for, and this is one thing I always do at the end of the year. And I'm forced to do it because... I'm doing my business accounting and getting ready for next year and all that stuff. Go through and check all the description or all the subscriptions that you have on your iPhone. You can go and hit subscriptions. You'll be amazed at what you're paying for and you don't use or run through your credit card and look for the $3 and 99 cent membership that you've been paying for the last five years and forgot about and forgot about and figure out how to cancel it. Cause it's just a great way to clean up stuff you're not using, but also save a little money as well. Yeah. And I, I want to tag on one more thing there. Another, and I think this is a good strategy sometimes because you're just saying how, you know, someone might make a goal. I'm going to max out my Roth for this year. Um, so just assuming that's something, let's say you haven't been maxing out a Roth or you don't max out your 401k, you don't have to make the goal so big that it's unrealistic. You could up your 401k contribution one or 2%, which probably won't be that noticeable every paycheck you get. And if you're doing a Roth and you're not maxing it out, there's nothing wrong with just doing $25 a month more. You know, we talk about just doing little things I can add up over the long term. So if saving more is a priority, don't, you know, don't set your sights too high and then don't and feel like you can't achieve it. There's nothing wrong with just doing a little bit today. It will pay off. Another another really good year-end move for clients or individuals who have non-qualified investments, meaning they are not in an IRA, 401k, Roth IRA, some type of tax-qualified investment, is actually taking a look at what your capital losses are for the year and your gains and try to do what's called tax, lo tax loss harvesting. And it's basically selling some winners and selling some losers to get to a neutral tax posture. The good news is if you're working with a financial advisor, they're probably doing that for you. And or they have software or a third party that's helping with a tax loss harvesting um, tax loss harvesting strategy. If you're not, you should probably ask your advisor about it. And if you're an individual and you don't even know this exists, you probably should find a financial advisor to ask about it or do a lot of research if you have the time, the desire, and the knowledge to do that. But it's one of the things I know we'll always start looking at it in that November, December time frame and try to figure out if it, if it makes sense to do this. Um, if you're thinking about gifting money, you know, you have two months left to do it. Don't wait till the end. There's processing that needs to be done. Gifting money is a good thing to do at year end people 
I find people like to gift money at two times, one when they take the required minimum distributions because they'll have that money sent directly to the charity or um, or whatever they're you know donating the money to of their choice. Or two, at Christmas, everybody gets a little giving and likes to give money. But start thinking about it now. If your goal is to give the church $1,000, well, you've got two months to save the money up and get the $1,000 versus, oh, I want to give 1000 but I don't have it because I didn't prepare. So if you want to make a donation, you want to give some money, just start preparing now. So you get to the point, it's very, very easy. Yeah, and get, gifting money is a very, uh, it's like a very satisfying thing to do, especially if you're helping helping with a good cause or helping your church or just or whatever you want to gift to. Um, and I, I, I've got one last one okay. to end the show because I think this is great. What can you do before you ring in the new year? Because once again, we talked about it. People are going to set goals and priorities. One of the best things you can do is find a financial planner because when somebody comes in and meets with us, they don't come in one time and here's what we do. It's a process that's probably going to take four to six weeks to get from the beginning to the end. Well, if we've got six weeks, that's middle of December, you would be helped just in time to set your New Year's resolution. Conversely, what happens? Hey, I'm going to get a financial plan in 2021. And you might get it done in 2021 if you don't procrastinate. So meeting with a financial advisor now can make sense because we can take a look at the tax loss harvesting you have. We can make sure your plan's up to date. Make sure your risk and your asset allocation are in line with your goals and values. And if anybody wants to get in touch with us, you can go to btwellshow.com. There's ask an advisor a question, get a plan, click one of those buttons. We'd be happy to help you. So Elias, I hope you have a great Halloween. I look forward to all the candy that you're going to bring into this office as you walk around the neighborhood with your, your chomped up Bitcoin on your shirt. Yep. I'm going to, um, I'm going to confiscate some candy from my kids and I'll bring it in to share with everyone. So before we end, what's your favorite candy? My favorite candy, uh, probably a Reese's and any yeah. variation of the, there's a lot of variations now. And I Reese's like Reese's pieces, them. Reese's peanut butter cup. I'm in. So I yeah. go Reese's and then I go to the sour patch kid. Yeah, I like, I like Sour, Sour Patch Kids. Kids too, but the chocolate and peanut butter is probably my favorite candy yeah. combination. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you're looking for help, you can go to btwellshow.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.